the Blackout Podcast. Hi, Lucia. Hello. Thanks for coming to the podcast yeah, today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's fun. Um, so a little bit about Lucia. Right now, I know you're the director of Arcadia and it's playing um, at the Boss Up Theater from Sunday. Until Wednesday. But we're sold out tonight. So, yeah, 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 yeah. So we're actually getting two tickets for uh, two for a lucky listener and their friend to see the closing show on, on Wednesday, twenty third. Yeah, um, Lucia is actually. I'm just going to let you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> I am a theater and English student at Dal, and I'm really interested in pursuing directing and um, have a strong love for 19th century theater 19th century themes and stuff like that so yeah <laughs> and uh, actually um, i remember you have this story that we talked about a while ago with the weird guy that's super interesting so a lot of this kicked off um from what i'm pursuing now in general because i was hired kind of unofficially to do some work some production research about Lord Byron and the Yeah Shelleys. him yeah him Yeah and uh and then I ended up in Geneva star- staring in front of Villa Diodati which was Lord Byron's villa where Mary Shelley started writing Frankenstein and I just had an epiphany that I feel like I should be studying this a bit more seriously and pursuing this from a more creative and original way mm. and Arcadia which is the play I'm directing by Tom Stoppard is very heavily about Lord Byron and his involvement and his contributions to literature so I think this is a really good like first avenue to explore some of these themes yeah. that yeah that I want to play with more yeah you know I mean yeah. I remember talking about Lord Byron like yes yeah, super passionate about and he's a an amazing character. Yeah, him. yeah, he definitely is. Yeah, and I know, like, you're really interested. I think it was a certain number of years where it was in this country. Yeah. Um. So, the, um, in 1816, it was Lord Byron and the Shelleys, and uh, well, Mary Wollstonecraft. She wasn't married to Percy Shelley yet, but they went to Geneva and. For me, it feels like reading about what happened during the summer they were there feels like it's like a teen sex comedy. Like, it's just so much stuff happened. But then they also started writing these amazing works. You know, yeah. Polidori, we get Vampire, which is the first, like, vampire text that inspires Dracula and all mm. kinds of other things. And then we start getting Frankenstein out of this part, too. So I just, I really am so interested in this summer. And I've seen... There's so many adaptions of this. There's stories about it, but everyone takes it so seriously. Seriously, And it's like, no, this is hilarious. If you read their journals, they're just like fighting about ghosts. Okay, actually, you got to share some of those stories. Oh, my God. Well, there is, I think, there's one really funny one where um, it's a journal that Percy Shelley is writing about listening to Mary and Byron talk about that, well, if we believe in ghosts, we have to believe in God. So I guess we're in agreement here. And he's getting so mad because he's like strongly atheist. He's like, we can't believe in God and we can't we can't have ghosts. We can have ghosts. And it's just there's so many of these. It keeps going. And um I just think it'd be I think personally, if I yeah. could ever take on like a biopic position and write something like that or work in something, I'd love to take something like this hilarious part of history that is mm. so inf- influential and really work with it from that comedy angle I, did yeah. you start writing again um i think it's a bit nda'd right now with what's going oh, on blah, with blah, that blah, because blah, blah, there's somebody else involved so fair, fair enough yeah, yeah yeah but i can talk about the research part because yeah let's you know, talk about that, that one but talk about what do you want to know about researching well Lord byron, <laughs> Lord byron. <himself. laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah 
what what do you what do you want to know? I feel like at this point it's been like two years of just like weird research about Byron. <laughs> that and if like anyone from my cast is listening to this, they're gonna just hate this because there's a character in Arcadia who is literally just me who just talks about Byron incessantly and is so obsessed with making sure that connecting Byron to every single thing in literary history. And there's another scholar who's like, no, it's not always him. Like stop. And it's so funny, but yeah. Okay, so tell me something that uh, most people thought would trouble about him but in your research you find out it might not have been true i don't know if there's anything that's like not necessarily true about byron Mm. um because he was very he i think he from reading his journals i think he was very much someone who was very aware of the public perception of him and was Mm -hmm. very okay with it and you know that when we think of byron i think there was like there was a uh, Forget who I forget who actually started, but there was this phrase about him: the mad, bad, and dangerous to know, <laughs> and he just kind of lived that kind of life. So, do you think? Um, so the name happened because of things he did, and then he just doubled down, or he it was for sure at a point, and then he just felt, you know what, this is who people think I am. I'm just going to be this person. Well, I think it was a bit of. I think this is what people think I am because around the time that. Um, everyone kind of started knowing about more not insidious things now, but at that point, like about his bisexuality and about his like, you know, those things. Um, I think he, he never denied anything. He just kind of left England and was like, well, no one can catch me over here. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, let's yeah. come back to Arcadia. Uh, how long is your play? Uh, the play runs about two hours and 12 minutes, I mm-hmm. think it is, with an intermission. Yeah, and um, how long did rehearsals go? Because I remember the very first post. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll let you go. So um, we got accepted because this is being produced by the Dalhousie Theatre Society. So it's a whole student-run, non-for-profit organization that helps anyone with an interest in theater put on their own production, help fund it, and so on. Mm-hmm. And we were got accepted around, I think it was beginning of April. Yeah, and so we started production on that in may we had our first like read and um from like experiences working in the industry a bit i was very adamant that i want everyone to know who everyone is in this i want to make sure that every every head of department knows the other person so that no one is overstepping someone taking over someone's job or you know forgetting that there is someone there and but, um what was the pre- what yeah. was the process of your casting casting was um we so we started casting in September. Mm. Yeah, we spent the summer just working, getting all those fine tuning those things. Mm-hmm. Casting started in September. Um, I think I was a little unorthodox in terms uh-huh. of what we were doing. Oh. So we did a panel audition for the Dell Theater Society. So there were two other shows. There was Objects, which was a student written show, and then there was Doctor Faustus, okay. um, by Christopher Marlowe. And both of the other groups wanted very clear, cold reads. We want you to read this piece from the play. Mm. For me, like. As an actor, too, I hate that. I hate cold reads. I will never give you what you want in a cold read. It's going to be the worst thing. <laughs> and for film, I understand the importance of that because there's so wanna, little time. Yeah. You need to kind of see what it's going to look like yeah. right there. Yeah. For theater, we've got three months to rehearse this. I don't, I'm not going to get, I don't, I'm not looking for you to get this perfect now. Mm. So I had everyone read bits of poetry, nothing by Byron. Oh, he's going to ask. No, that. no, because like, people are going to recognize this if it's Byron. So we got, okay. um, some Keats and Caroline Lamb, who okay. was one of Byron's many dalliances, but she's also a fantastic poet. Um, 
And we also printed out two pages from Wikipedia that were just basic science information. The play is the play. This play is incredible. It has so much. But what, what was the Wikipedia pages for? Be- so we had two. Well, no, no, but the two Wikipedia pages. I lied there. We had one Wikipedia page about ducks and how duck feet help heat circulation. And we had another one, which was this weird lecture series from the 18, 1860s about how candles work. And it's this guy is so excited to write about how candles work. But it's, so we had people reading these. And for me, I was, I wasn't, I care so much about personalities. I don't, I, your performance is, is, is definitely matters, but yeah. what kind of a person you are is so important to me. Mm-hmm. Not if you're a good person or a bad person. I'm not going to pass that at an audition, but how you carry yourself in the room, like how you introduce your name, how you work with the material I give you, because mm-hmm. if you can work with it in a way that I think I can, I can work with you too, then I'm more up to casting you. Mm. There's people who auditioned who are phenomenal actors, but like when we were thinking, when I was thinking about how I would work with them myself, Mm. that wasn't what was going to fit this role. Mm -hmm. And I think that, yeah, who you are as a person is so important. As an actor, you have you. You know, I don't don't want someone just mimicking what another person is doing. Going through that process, did you ever feel like, was there anyone that immediately, the person started reading about dog feet, you knew, oh, this is the person, or... I don't, there's one actor, and it wasn't even the duck feet. There was one actor and um, Sissy who plays Chloe in the play. And she came in and she said she was going to do a monologue about uh, this girl breaking up with her boyfriend, except she changed it. So she's kidnapping him. <laughs> and then, and it was like, and she just, she just went and we were, me and um, Nathaniel Pelly, who was casting with me, just kind of looked at each other like, we have no idea what this is going to look like. And yeah. we're so excited for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there was a couple of actors. Um, How was it though? Like a monologue. The monologue was mm-hmm. it good? Oh, it was, it was hilarious. <laughs> but um, I'm being being that was my first time being in that much control over casting yeah. and again feeling more about personalities. I'm if you're getting every word right, that doesn't matter. I want to see how you're moving through it. The fact that she decided to change the monologue like this on itself was hilarious and a, mm. and a, a really original choice. Okay. Yeah, I think yeah, she's. Sometimes it really pays to bring that originality into it. How many people do you have in the play? There are 12 actors, I believe. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so. Um, so so you, you get your head of department. Everybody's all set to go. Yeah. You get your casting. Mm-hmm. How was day one? How was the first table read? Because I remember you had a photo of that on your Instagram. I, I don't think. think anyone knew what the play was about at the first table read. So yeah. this is the complicated thing about Tom Stoppard is he writes weird highbrow comedy. It's like, you know, it's, it's a very modernist kind of way of writing where you have to have so much background and things like the history of science and literature and reading through that first read i feel like most people were going through like i don't know what i'm saying right now <laughs> we had to i didn't know that i assumed because it's me that everyone knew who lord byron was yeah and then they did not and i was like well 
<laughs> to save us from being here for an hour while yeah. I talk about my favorite historical son. I think <laughs> I was trying to. We had a we had a dramaturg though, Natasha, who was a history major, who handled a lot of those explanations early on. And I think she was definitely helpful to get people on the right track. Okay. After a point, we just told people, you can Google yourself. You can go to a class and learn this. Like, we can't be held responsible constantly for you understanding every word that you're saying. <laughs> and the first rehearsal, how, how was that one? Uh, first, it's, it depends on how you talk about it. Because the way that we rehearsed the show, we did... Um, the set the play takes place in two different time periods. So oh. we had the crew from 1809 come on certain days, and we had the crew from nine, 2019 come in on other days. Oh, wait, oh mm-hmm. wow, okay. Yeah, you didn't call everyone at once. We tried to go in order of the show, but we just called the different groups. Yeah. The first rehearsal for the 1809 people was like, I feel like it was really fun. It mm. was like, we're learning the steps, but they were all very eager. They all came in with, they had done research on their on their characters. They had figured out what they wanted to do. They had ideas and things like this. When we got into the 2019, it was a bit more difficult, I think, because we had a two-week break before we got to them. They had taken a lot of time to, to just kind of sit in it and it was a bit difficult wow. i have to commend the understudies we have for the show because both of them are now in the show full time oh, wow. and we had an understudy rehearsal specifically for them and they had done everything from breath work to researching things they didn't know about what they were saying or who they were talking about and it was yeah i think it's definitely commendable for them i you i feel like the understudies were more prepared than other actors in some respects and still even are they're always the people who are like putting forward ideas and they're asking questions at the right time and they know what they're doing with their characters and now they are in the show full time because of the way that um, things go. Any uh, sets in the play you super like? The set? Mm-hmm. Oh, the set is being built by Stefano Dodero, who is my brother. And, oh, wow. Yeah, and he has done set design for Festival and Ganesh a little bit. He is primarily a woodworker and a philosophy student. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, the set the set's really neat. I... I feel like you have to come and see it. It's more we have. It's it's. When did you guys start yeah. setting up at the bus stop? So we started setting up on Wednesday, but then we had to take the whole set down. Yeah, I, and I build was... it back up today. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, uh, on Thursday there's an event a friend of mine runs in the city, so yeah. I'm I'm going like because actually the the show starts at ten, uh, but I was late that day, so it's like eleven thirty ish, twelve. I'm. Like the bus stop, the light is on and people are moving shit. And I'm thinking, wait, isn't there a place starting on Sunday? Uh, was, was that you guys? Probably. <laughs> it probably was. We were there. We were there until like 2 a.m. Yeah. Moving everything out. <laughs> and then we had to come back. My brother went back starting at 6 a.m. to get everything set up again. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Why, why did Tito... Why did why did tear down? It was just when we booked the venue. There was the 18th was originally our opening day, but someone had booked it before us. Ooh. So, yeah, we had to. They just gave it the two days before. And then we. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. But I mean, that was factored in in September. I think my brother's done a good job of trying oh, to make oh, the set Oh, you already valuable. planned that. Oh, yeah, OK, OK, yeah. OK. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how did you get into building stuff? Because how we actually met was through Nathan, and you built things for my film. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I cosplayed, and I still do. I did it more seriously a bit ago now that I've not found my calling, but been more happy with directing and academia. I'm, I've left that a little bit, but that's also how I met Nathan, was through cosplay yeah. and through just hanging out at a con in 
the states once which is weird being that like we both live in halifax (laughs) um but yeah i i got i've been roped in by nathan to do a couple of projects just like minorly i mean he's definitely a person who designs and plans things out but i've yeah he's taught me a lot and i've worked on some stuff and which uh what what are some of the characters you've cosplay i've mostly cosplay men yeah 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 <laughs> and and honestly speaking going through your instagram there's some pictures i'm not sure if it's really you and then i'm like oh wait it's her yeah <laughs> and my instagram's confusing because i do photography as well so sometimes it's like clearly not me yeah yeah and yeah. then you know it's and then other times it's it's unsure i always have to be very like clear like photo by me <laughs> me i am wearing this costume that man that is me that man is not me <laughs> like yeah yeah uh, i'm like wait oh yeah yeah, yeah, okay, okay. I, I see now. I see now. I see now. Why did you decide most of your character are men? So, um, years ago, I decided to cosplay Yugi's grandpa from Yu Gi Oh! And it was totally as a joke. And then I had some pictures done at a convention, and then I was flying to London in the UK for an audition. And when I got off the plane, my like Facebook and my Instagram had like shot up by like thousands of posts, and I was like, <laughs> like, likes, and I was like, okay so this is a thing i do now (laughs) and i think that just i guess i found my niche in that in that world and it also kind of relieved a bit of pressure a lot of like female cosplayers have that pressure and are are constantly compared to other people yeah and it's like even cosplaying characters that a lot of like famous male cosplayers do i'm never compared on their level Mm. more people are just impressed that it's like like oh you actually pass as a man and it's like okay i guess that's uh that's what we're doing now (laughs) (laughs) but um but yeah and it's just i just find it fun yeah it's fun Uh, which of those characters you do i mean so there's a grandpa but is there any other one you really liked i really like my Mr. Darcy from Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. I don't have any on Instagram right now. I have one on Instagram, I think, hiding somewhere. (laughs) But um, the photos we got back from that were so good. And, like, I from cosplaying so many men over these years i've i consider my i've kind of figured out i'm much more of a gender fluid person i really don't know what to do with these photos because i like them so much and i don't know what how to feel that i'm just like so comfortable with myself in this very like like masculine form yeah right now yeah yeah, really awesome photos and what do you what do you usually take your photos with um do you have a particular camera you like shooting with or I use a Canon 60. Okay. Yeah, and an 85 lens. So it's nice. And yeah. do you usually go with a theme when you want to shoot? We've been joking that my style is German romanticism because I like people looking off into the distance, mainly because I'm terrified of editing when someone's eyes are staring at me for two hours. <laughs> it's so unsettling. It's just really, really not okay. There's a set of pictures you took at this really beautiful building. Um, was it in Vienna? No. Um, no. You t- two years ago, you took this holiday... Two years ago, yeah, when I was doing my Byron adventure, yeah, yeah, well, uh, I went to photo. Vienna. I went to PhotoCon in Poland. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and I, then you had these super I, awesome buildings. Yeah, it was cool because I went to a Witcher event, which is Polish, so it was really neat to be there. And I did. I cosplayed Vernon Roach from Witcher, but I also did some photos with um, uh, Claire de la Lune cosplay, who's from Turkey, and it was really neat to to do that sweet but um, yeah cycling back to Arcadia what was the most difficult part of making this play 
What's the story? <laughs> spiel, spiel. Um, I think going looking back now. Well, looking back, it's hard because I think I got one night's sleep this week now, and I feel like I'm just like it was in the past. Um, in December, I was wearing many hats that I didn't know that I would be wearing mm. um, for the show. So learning how to man- not only direct a show and be in that creative department, but also be in the production side and go into the business side of how this has to run mm. was probably the most difficult hurdle to, to go through. Mm-hmm. Which are some of the uh, hats you had to wear? Well, we had to manage up our, our, all our own ticket sales. So we had to set Arcadia up as a nonprofit so that we could yep, sell our tickets. Yep. Um, we had to handle our own marketing and things like this, but um, it's great using Eventbrite yeah. it, because they really do, it It audits itself. You know exactly where, where your flow is coming from. So through this, um, through that, I, I, I think I kind of felt very like, I was a bit upset when I first was like, oh, I have to do all these things. But now I've like, I've learned this and mm. it's, it's great to know. And I think it's a good skill to have, especially in somewhere like Halifax, where there is so much community theater, so many small companies that do have to manage all their own production and mm-hmm. stuff like that, that I have a sense of how this works. And how's your team working with a team? It's been great. It's been great. I feel, um, I, I kind of try to build on the system of like, like mutual respect doesn't matter what department you're from or like mm. your seniority that that doesn't matter if one like one wheel doesn't work nothing will work yeah. if an actor doesn't show up on time nothing will work if yeah. like if i don't come on time for i didn't do my job it won't work mm. if a stage manager didn't take notes that day something won't work so there's no point for me in in trying to build like a, a seniority system for people we just mm-hmm. have to respect that we all have different jobs to do and you do your job well and then keep going and then it all falls on you though it does all fall on me. Directed by Lucia Tudaro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, are you so? Are you thinking of your next play? Uh, I've thought about plays. I what my next like play? What I could hypothetically do? Mm. But I think that I'm right now just so focused on Arcadia and grad school and things like this mm. that I'm. I have like dream plays that I would love to do or like things like that. But that's there's no concrete plan right now. Um. So you said this was like kind of a competition of some sort that you actually had to apply with your play? It wasn't a competition, but there was a proposal process. Exactly. Why did you decide to go with this play? Well, this was one of the first plays I learned in my first year of theater. Mm. And I think it was probably, it's the play that I really learned more about like byron and and history of science and things like this that i really enjoy now so what's the name arcadia from because when i saw it i thought it was i'm gonna shoot myself in the foot now but i really thought it was like arcadia arcadia like canadian arcadia yeah like arcadian I, exactly we, there's there's been there's been jokes oh okay we were... okay so i'm not alone on that <laughs> <laughs> so what, what, what's it about um so Arcadia is well. The, the name of the play comes from this painting of Arcadia, which is this like kind of like a promised land, kind of beautiful landscape. Okay. Um, and the play is centered around. Um, it's told between two time periods. Yeah. Our slogan for the show is a comedy about sex, death, poetry, and algorithms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw the algorithm. That, that one threw me off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so set between two time periods and in 1809, it's very much just a, a comedy. It's this farce about this country house and this really eccentric family where the daughter of the family is this mathematical genius and she's figuring things out about the laws of thermodynamics and 
she's under she's uh, as my um, we have someone who wrote an essay for the program who is a history of science and tech student, and she talked about how well what this character is doing is creating the first algorithm in eighteen oh nine before you have calculators before you have computers that can manage these systems she's doing it by hand yeah and then we have the present day where there is a group of scholars who are researching things that happen in this house oh. in eighteen oh nine there's a lot of stuff not only is there this Science, this like you know these scientific um, ex- explorations happening, yeah. but possibly Lord Byron is there, <laughs> possibly <laughs> hanging out at this house, <laughs> and and it's uh, it's it's an interesting play because it really does come back to this idea that. First of all, the past is never as serious as we like to believe it is. <laughs> and also, we're never going to know everything. And we're really just putting together these pieces and making and, and following an algorithm ourselves to figure out what happened in the past. How does it connect? So how does the 2019 thing, part of the play, happen? What's the time jump from? That's almost 200 it's scene, years. Yeah, it's scene by scene. So oh, oh, first oh, scene oh. happens in 1809, and then we cut to 2019. And yeah, and then it keeps going. Final, the final scene, though, is everyone is on stage. <laughs> it took us two weeks to block. We only we only finally got through a good run of it, like, on Wednesday. So, you know, it's, it's a chaotic it's a chaotic mess. Yeah, and it's supposed well, to be how many, this way. Do you, yeah. do you have all 12 people on stage? on the stage for the, that scene? Two actors are not on stage for okay. that, so, but mostly everyone, and the people are waltzing. It's a lot going on on the, <laughs> on the, on the bus stop stage. Um, um, and 1809, right? Yes. How's the costume? That must have been fun. Yeah, Eli Warner is our costume designer, and they are a costume study student from NASCAD and Dow. Mm. I met them at Halcon, actually. We were managing the Dalhousie booth where we had a dead body and we're just playing around with it. Um, but they were talking about how much they also really want to do costumes like full time. And when yeah. I was mentioning that I had just finished writing an essay, of course, on my favorite people from history, um, <laughs> they had known all of the same information. So I was oh. like, oh, are you? So when we, we um a bit late to the game, but when we were like, you know, trying to find a costume designer like we really read that last last lane i asked eli i was like would you be interested in making a bunch of um regency dresses for this play and they were like <laughs> right away like yeah we're gonna do it and we rented a lot of stuff from the halifax tattoo as well oh. um a lot of the the women's dresses had to be made for the show Shit. but the all of the um all the men's outfits were rented um how detailed did you go there, with, the, with your costume we I think in the interest of with the budget we had and being a student show, we, I think we could have done a lot more, but we ended up going with just trying to make everything as accurate as accurate as possible. Eli has done a really good job and they're finishing up the final touches tonight and I'm going to see them once I get in today. So it'll be really neat. Yeah. What's left to do between now and um, when the curtains open? Oh, that's a, there's a lot. <laughs> no, actually, I think it's, it's, it's pretty good. I think for now to the curtains open just making sure everyone's relaxed and ready and yeah. on there on time and those kinds of things yeah i'm i have a lot of faith in our cast they're they're an amazing group of mostly first-time actors yeah. for who are between the ages of 17 and 21 oh, and they're wow. yeah they're fantastic uh, how was it like working with them i it was great it was great mm. yeah uh so my whole thing is about making art and mm-hmm. sharing it and using social media. And some people think it's kind of good, kind of bad. Where do you stand on that? On social media? Yeah, and, and I like sharing your st- things you create. Yeah, um, well, social media has been the biggest platform area that I can use as a cosplayer and as 
an artist right now. Um, I think for me, I really like it. I, I think I grew up with kind of in a generation that really, you know, I wasn't, that wasn't that generation that like had Facebook when I was like a baby, but I'm also wasn't, I'm, you know, by the time I had finished my first like college degree, it was something that everyone was doing. Mm. I really, I, I, I really like it. I use, I use Instagram, Twitter and Facebook, mostly Instagram. I feel like it's just yeah, a nice too. place to go. But I think social media, even noticing Arcadia, I've been, because we've been in charge of all this marketing stuff, I've been testing what, how, how does print advertisement, how does that help you? How does social media advertisement help you? Instagram has been one, like the best avenue for it. Like maybe, maybe I'm annoying. I don't know. But my stories are nothing but like tickets. These tickets are sold out. These tickets are available. Here's back. Here's behind the scenes photos. No, I don't think it's working. annoying. Yeah. yeah, it is. It yeah. is. It is. Yeah. Um, talking of that, the Blackout Podcast is giving away two, two tickets to the closing yes. show on Wednesday. Yes. And the idea is that, you know, to get this, you have to say the passphrase. Mm-hmm. And it's all on you now. It's all on me. <laughs> yeah. Oof. The passphrase for Arcadia is lightning. Oh, great. Okay, so if you see lightning and yeah. you email us, you get the two two tickets for you and a friend to see the show on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, and why should people come and see Arcadia? Um, it's a show. Stoppard is amazing for being able to write shows that anyone can enjoy and everyone can enjoy. There's a beauty about Stopper that no one is going to understand every joke and every reference. So people actually have to talk amongst each other Mm. when the show's over during intermission about, you know, what was this joke? What was this about? What was happening at this point in time and agree and disagree with theories and things like this. This is, this play covers so much from everything about the literature of the 19th century to science and history of science about the 19th century to modern day. Mm. There's phenomenal debates in this play about what is more important. Is it art or science or is it both together? Oh, and I like that one. Yeah. So I think if those are things that interest you, if it's, you have a one or the other, if you have a both mentality, yeah. I think this show is definitely for you. And uh, what's your social? My Instagram is the howling shoe puff and it's the same for Twitter and Facebook. Okay. Thanks for coming in today, Lucia. Great. Thank you for having me. This has been good. Thanks for listening.